This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. My name is Zach A. Knight. I'm the founder of Battle and ATL Vets. Before we get rolling too far into it, of course, I want to talk about the Buckhead Club and the amazing team we have up here that's supporting the things. So before I dive too far, I'm going to bring Samantha up. Oh, no, you definitely have to use the microphone. You definitely have to. So before she starts talking and selling us on everything, um, Samantha's the membership committee, uh, I'm sorry, membership director. I'm on the membership committee. She's the membership director, so she is the one, right? I'm cutting in and out, am I not? Okay, so Samantha's the one that makes all the decisions up here. So if we upset her tonight, we're all in trouble. But she had some things she wanted to say before we get rolling. I'll make a short and sweet Okay. Uh, I just want to say thank you. I am getting over the cold, I'm sorry. And my voice is in and out. Nope, still loving it. <laughs> uh, but I just want to say thank you for coming. We do appreciate the support from both sides. I know the DAC organization bringing in your colleagues, your contacts, and then also the Buckhead Club side. So thank you, everyone that attended. We do have an event coming up on Monday on the 26th, right? Y'all, not me. Y'all. Uh, at the Buckhead Club. Nothing to do with that at all. Uh, it's just the Buckhead Club and it's, it's a hurtful. great outing. We have a few tickets left, like about five tickets left. So if you are interested, it's our first outing. It's Hank Aaron tickets that you would get. So it's five tickets that we have left. So if you are interested, it's come to me or Rick. And it is on a Monday night. So obviously a big thank you to the Bucket Club for supporting us and letting us do this. Samantha said if you buy a ticket for the Braves game, they're going to give you like six months free membership. So six months free membership if you worth the shot. No, okay, all right. But definitely um, some pretty awesome things happened to the Bucket Club. Obviously, it's something that I've been a part of for several years as the membership committee. And obviously, this is the real estate club, and I also run the veteran club within the club. So lots of awesome things happening at the Bucket Club. Before we dive too much further into that, I do want to highlight a couple of events we have coming up from our side. If you look at the table over here, the Bucket Club has a couple info packets on the table. And then some upcoming events from us on the battle side from real estate, some amazing things we're gonna talk about tonight, but also a three-day business summit that's happening this August that is my first multi-day event. And I'm partially terrified and partially highly stressed. I lost all my hair over it. And we are doing several different things with veteran entrepreneurship. So definitely looking forward to that. But I'm gonna dive into tonight to just give y'all a little bit of expectation. We're gonna go for about 45 minutes of a conversation and then a little bit of Q&A. So we're gonna talk a lot about story, we're gonna talk a lot about the impact that we're making in the real estate and veteran space. But then we're gonna to go to Q&A. So who here is a real estate investor, homeowner, real estate agent, deals with real estate, any of those things in real estate? All right, so do y'all have some like really prying questions ready? Not yet, but you're gonna formulate them and we're gonna get there. So in about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, we're gonna dive into that piece. 
as we get started on the conversation with Jackie, I do want to introduce her. She has a lot of accolades and in y'all in real estate, there are a lot of letters. You have like an alphabet of accolades. I don't have a lot of those letters. I'm an MRP, a military relocation. But all the things you've been awarded with. So we're going to yeah. talk about these awards. Yeah. So she has a lot of these awards that have been highlighted and I'm going to let her talk about it. But overall, she's a military veteran. We're going to talk a little bit about that piece and in real estate. So we're going to dive a little bit more into that piece and how the impact's being made. But Jackie, I'm going to hand it off to you and let you talk a little bit about just your background before we get started. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zach, for having me. And thanks for all of you for showing up. I appreciate it. There's a lot of faces that I know and some that I don't. My name's Jackie Dyer. I'm a real estate broker here in Atlanta. I was active duty military. Nate, did I broke up? Active duty Navy for 22 years. And I retired as a Navy chief and had to kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my next life once I got out. Everything that I've done It's not like I went to strive to go get that. It's just basically I saw a need for it and created it or I just did my job. So a lot of times when people say, oh, you've got all these awards, I just did my job. And honestly, but I spent 22 years in the military. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I talked to my husband about it, said, you know, it might be time to retire. We had our youngest was still a toddler at the time. I said, I'd like to maybe retire, but I have no idea what I want to get into. And he said, well, you know, you watch that dumb show on TV all the time, HGTV stuff. So why don't you just do that? And I was like, ah, the market just crashed. I don't know if that's the best thing to do. But then I realized it might be the best time to do it because the market is at the worst that it can be. I was in Memphis at the time, so it might be one of the worst places I could be during the crash. There were a lot of foreclosures, a lot of make homes, and that's what I decided to do. And I actually was selling quite a few houses back then. Nobody could get qualified. It was difficult for that. So I became a real estate agent. And then I came over to, my husband got transferred to Atlanta. So we came to Atlanta right as the market was turning. And then things, of course, picked up for me. I worked with a lot of the banks as their preferred agent with veterans and VA loans. Although I didn't know a lot about VA loans at the time, so I don't know why they chose me except for the fact that I was a veteran. And I learned the hard way about some of that stuff. And unfortunately, some of my clients did too. But I became a subject matter expert on VA buying, VA home buying and became a a, uh, military relocation professional. That's one of those three letter designations. I've been a top producer in the city of Atlanta since my second year in real estate. But, you know, to me, again, it was just doing my job. Top producer, it means you're in the top 15% of sales agents in the city of Atlanta. That was huge for me back then because I was still a fairly new agent. And then I've kept that. DeKalb Board of Realtors, I was their Pinnacle Award, which is their version of the Top Producer Award. I'm on the leadership committee of Georgia Women's, Georgia Military Women's Group. And that, again, just became one of those things that I was like, well, let me just join this group because it's a lot of camaraderie. It's all the military women. There's a few here from the group in the state of Georgia, a lot of sharing of resources, a lot of mentorship. And I did the same thing with my team. When I became a real estate broker, you start as an agent, then you become a broker if you choose to do so. I became a broker and then built my team. I noticed when I started working with my team, which there's some of my team members here too, 
that when we started working in investing, and I teach military veterans how to use their VA loan and buy homes every time they PCS throughout the, the world or the US. Um, and I'm part of a group called Active Duty Passive Income. They taught me how to do that. And it was really near and dear to my heart because I did not grow up with financial literacy. I didn't have any financial education when I was young. So when I was a young person and I wanted to buy, say for instance, a $75,000 condo when I was stationed in Hawaii, my leaders told me that was a horrible idea. Why would you do that? Well, now that condo's worth a lot of money and it has been for years and years. So that's why I would do it. But it's really important to me to teach veterans how to use their VA loan. It's 100% financing. So it's cheaper than renting a property and they can keep that and rent it out every time they move. So then when they retire after 20 years or more, they have a lot of properties under their belt and they build generational wealth. From there, I learned how to do commercial multifamily. And then that became another niche that I was in. And believe it or not, military veterans, they are all about buying multifamily properties. Mm -hmm. So it's a different mindset that they grow into. And it's something that's very easy once you make that switch in your mind. But is that what you wanted to know? Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to rewind just a little bit. I'm so much louder than she is. I didn't realize that uh, you're such a soft speaker. Um, do we have any other veterans in the room? Several. That's phenomenal. So, you know, this is the real estate night, not the veteran night, but I'm glad y'all showed up for it. Any army veterans in the room? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Any non-army veterans in the room? I don't oh care. Put your hands back God. down. Teasing, teasing. My dad was a Navy vet, um, served in Vietnam. So I actually have to respect the Navy slightly. Air Force, not so much. Oh, I heard another laugh over there. So we have some Air Force folks. So it's really interesting because in, in the military, we do travel, um, whether we want to or not. And there are several people that kind of do what you've done and buy some properties as you go. Can we talk a little bit about those early days in the military while you're traveling? Where did you find the passion of like, oh, I want to start in real estate or I want to start investing there? Or was it after the military where you kind of thought, oh, man, we should really start buying these properties? Because if you have a place in uh, Hawaii, you know, let's go. What, what, what are we waiting for? Why are we in Georgia if you have a Hawaii place? Because I don't. Okay, well, there it is. That's All right. The point. That's the point. So tell us a little bit about where the passion of uh, investing in real estate came from. So the passion became after I got out and became a real estate agent. I've always had an interest in real estate. I didn't know what it took to invest because again, I came from a different mindset. I came from a different world where investors grew up wealthy. Those are people who invest, not just your average young sailor or soldier or anybody. They don't invest. You have to have money to invest. So. I had so many people, the condo I was talked out of, somebody told me, move into base housing, it's free, your electricity is free, <laughs> go over there. That's where Good you need to Good old base housing. So, okay, let me go over there. <laughs> and then I found another opportunity in Lake Havasu. And then one of my leaders said, oh, that's dirt, that's sand. They're just, you know, ripping people off. Don't buy that. And they all, in my mind, knew more than I did because they were the leaders. They were people that were older than me and wiser than me, so I didn't buy anything. I bought a couple houses along the way, but then I sold them as I moved on and went to the next duty station. But after I got out and got my real estate license, that's when I started really having the passion for investing because I saw how easy it was. So when I started investing at that point, it was just 
a simple thing to me and I wanted to share it with everybody. This is really easy. It's so easy to do. Not all the time. You still have to deal with things like tenants and property taxes and things like that. But honestly, what you get out of it to me is well worth it because once you start building a portfolio, then you can continue to grow that portfolio. So it's interesting to see the real estate world and the veteran space, how small of a space it actually is. When I went to Afghanistan, my squad leader now works on your team. Mm -hmm. His name's Gonzo. He is a goofball. And uh, I'm sorry for all the trouble he puts you through. And what's funny is a best friend actually dated Gonzo many years ago. So I learned even more about what happened. You're not the best friend for the record. Her best friend. <laughs> sorry. That's how I get stabbed at the end of the night. So my better half had a better three quarters, had a best friend that dated my squad leader when he was a teenager-ish. And that squad leader is now your problem. I appreciate you taking them off my hands, but it's really a small space. And what we realize as we go through the veteran space, as we go through real estate, there's a lot of commonalities across, but a lot of uh, potential wealth building, if you do it right. Can you talk to us a little bit about how do people get started and not necessarily let me buy and live in the home, how do we get started in the investing side of it where you're now guiding people to go? So I think the best way to get started is to buy it and live in it. In fact, you can buy up to a four unit property with an FHA or a VA loan or even a conventional loan, but that's very little money down. And that's always like a good way to get your foot in the door. You know, sometimes they're not in the areas that you want to live in though. So you want to buy something that maybe has an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit in the back to where you can rent that out. A lot of people do what we call as house hacking. And it works very well in the military space because a young service member can buy a four bedroom house and rent the other rooms out and that pays their mortgage plus gives them cash flow. And anybody can do this. I just speak because I say these words all day long, all the time, because I teach in the veteran space. But yeah, anybody can get started. And then if you just want to buy an investment property outright, it takes about 20 to 30%, depending on the situation. And you can buy that property and rent it out. And then we have equations that we teach people to use that shows you, okay, if you will cash flow this much on this property, this one might not be the best property for you because it's not gonna cash flow. Or you could just go straight into doing joint ventures with multifamilies or partnerships with multifamily properties and buy a 20 unit or a hundred unit or something like that. And there's a lot of teams that are built around that. You know a little bit about that, don't you? <laughs> and yeah, it's not a difficult thing to get in. I do recommend that you get educated on it first and then find the right properties and then just take a leap because some people will, you know, just beat their head against the wall trying to educate themselves with mm -hmm. everything. But as long as you have the right team in place, you're not gonna make the mistakes as people who don't want any education. They just wanna learn off a TikTok video and jump into it and go buy a property. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I gotta evict this guy, what do I do? So you, well, you can't, because they're under a lease, that's why. <laughs> so you did mention the house hacking piece, mm -hmm. ran out a couple of the rooms. I did on TikTok actually see something yeah. that was fascinating. Anybody have that college age kid, high school kid? I know we're a younger crowd, but anybody have that? that room. So it's actually an interesting thing I heard about investing, have the kid buy the house to start building that equity and start building that credit. 
and then rent out to the college friends. Mm -hmm. Now, as, as the parents, you might not be happy with the damages that come from the parties, but it's another similar what you're talking about, it, right? It is. Actually, a lot of my clients are buying property specifically for their college-age kids. Instead of renting an apartment or letting them stay in the dorm, they might purchase a townhome and put their child on the lease, put the house into a trust, and then they can rent those other rooms out on it. And then they have a property that has increased in value over time. And then they get some money back after it's all said and done. They just don't see all that housing expenses out the window. So that's kind of the interesting piece about what you can do with mm -hmm. financing, what you can do with investments, especially with your kids grow going forward. And a, a big piece of this is obviously beyond the transaction. So I love talking about real estate. I've been an investor for over a decade in single family. I actually liquidated everything in single family to go into multifamily in January of 2020. And then let's just say that first 50 door that I had under contract did not go through all the way, thanks to yeah. something we all know about. But it's an interesting piece to really talk about beyond the transaction. As real estate agents, as real estate professionals, as investors, there's also always something more that happens after that initial transaction. The money, the transfer of funds, whatever may happen, especially the relationship side, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about the impact you're making outside of that singular transaction for every piece of real estate? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I like to, I'm not a quick money person. That's not how you build a business. When you build a business, being a real estate agent is building a business. So I have a few businesses. I have a business degree. So my businesses are a property management company. And I started a property management company because it was important to my clients. They wanted to buy investment properties, but didn't want to hire a property manager that they didn't know or didn't trust. So I opened a property management company and that became that other business. And with that property management company, it helps other people buy more properties because then they can use, a lot of times the lenders will not allow you to buy a property that you're going to rent out unless you have property management experience or you hire a property manager. So I do two things with that. One, I can manage it for them right away. So that meets that requirement for the lender. And then I can teach them how to be a property manager and all the tenancy laws in the states, well, in this state, and then they get that experience. So when they go on to their next different duty stations or different places in their life, they have that experience. I graduated to multifamily and I loved it because there were no emotions. Real estate is very emotional. Multifamily is so wonderful. There's no emotions involved. You're just putting the numbers together. I had a lot of emotions in 2020. Yeah, hang on, I'm sure hang you on. Did. But, but then again, at the same time, you can go four months of really working hard and then suddenly everything falls apart because of one decision in the negotiations and, you know, eight people involved in the negotiations. So you still have to have some of that emotional residential property stuff going on while you're building your your brand as a multifamily. But beyond the transaction, the relationships, that's how you build your, that's how I built my business. At this point in my life and my career, I don't prospect. And there's some of my agents here, so please don't listen to that. Where are the hands? Hang on, let's see who's on the team. To prospect. Hang on. Is she snitching <laughs> herself client. right now, right? I see laughter happening. But the majority of my business <laughs> comes from past clients and referrals. So, and veterans, I still work with veterans all day long and I get them as referrals all day long. And I love working with vets because 
They think there's so many myths that surround the VA loan. Mm -hmm. They think they can buy one house and one house only. They don't know that they can use it more than one time. They don't know that they can use it on active duty. They don't know that they can buy a duplex or triplex or quadruplex. They don't know those things. So just developing those relationships, it helps build my business and it helps build everybody's business and everybody's cash flow and wealth. So looking at real estate, do we have real estate agents in the room? Uh, come on, don't be shy. Let's see hands, real estate agents. Two, I see a little smile, are you an agent or no? No. Lender, ooh, ooh, let's not talk to them. Hang on, so we have an agent over here. Is there anybody that is more on the broker side that actually does transactions, right? So a big piece, you just mentioned it, is that continued relationship. How many of y'all send, and this is what fascinates me about real estate, how many of y'all send out like the fridge magnet that has the Falcons schedule on it? Is that like a common thing still? Cause I still get one every year from one of my real estate agents 10 years ago. No, like to me, that's not something that keeps you front of mind, right? right? So I'd re be really curious. And when we move to the Q and A piece, if any of y'all want to kind of throw this out there, hey, this is what I do to differentiate myself in this space. But Jackie, I'd love to know from, from your perspective, what do you do to differentiate yourself not sending I'm not a UGA fan, y'all, sorry, but I get a UGA magnet every year mm -hmm. and it's like blasphemy in my house. Like, no, 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 I can't. It's a joke, y'all. Yeah. You can laugh, it's okay. I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> you need a refill, sir. I told y'all, get a refill so I can get funny. What do you do to differentiate yourself where you, you have that transaction and you want to keep forward facing to past clients? How do you differentiate yourself? So I send out magazines to my past clients and it's got recipes and little stories and different things in them. Those are to my past clients, but I provide value. They know they can call me with questions about an HVAC person. They can call me with questions about, you know, my sister has a bug in her house and I don't know what it is. Can I send you a picture? <laughs> they call me at all kinds of times. For that sounds like too real. It, that it happened, didn't so it? Real, yeah. That happened, got yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I could write a book on some of the things that happened, but I won't because I appreciate all my clients and I appreciate, I befriend most of them and they know that they can call me with any questions. Social media keeps me top of mind because of course there's Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all of that stuff that I'm not so great at, but I still provide value. And that keeps me in the front line of most people out there. Because if somebody asks a question on one of those platforms about what's a good color to paint a wall for resale, I answer the question. But if you guys ever want to know how many realtors are in your mom group, just say, I think I want to sell my house. And then you'll get 50 <laughs> people saying, I'm an agent, I'm an agent, so that's what I do. But my magazines are the ones that keep me on top of mind, really, because they go out every two months, and a lot of people just appreciate them. So. If it has, like, HelloFresh recipes, I would love it. I don't think you, so. You send ingredients with it? Okay. I don't know. I don't even know what it has in it. That's fair. <laughs> I, I don't grocery shop, y'all. It's awful. <laughs> so I love that aspect, and you did mention social media and TikTok. You kind of cringed when you said TikTok. Yeah. Do we have some TikTokers in the room? I keep seeing laughter as I bring it up. So I'm terrible on TikTok. I tried dancing one time. It went awful. Did go viral, but it went awful. TikTok's a different platform. It's hitting a different generation, that younger Gen Z generation. Are you expanding into TikTok? Are you on TikTok? Are you trying to do things to, at the end of the day, that generation is getting to that buying age, the early buying age. Are you doing anything to kind of get on the TikTok and something that's different on that platform? 
So I've decided that what I'm doing on TikTok or any platform is just going to be provide value. I am not an animated person, as you can tell. I have some more animated. The giggles from the team, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> they do great TikTok videos, I don't. When I try to do a TikTok video, I don't do a lot with it, but then my kids make fun of me and say, mom, those videos are ridiculous. So what I've decided to do is take my informational YouTube videos and make snippets and put it on TikTok because that's going to be more important to my audience. But I have noticed that I have to have multiple platforms because I've had some of my past clients saying, oh my gosh, my friend wants to talk to you, but she wants to see your Instagram first. What is it? So I don't know, I gotta look and see what it is and I haven't updated it in eight months. So let me put a post on there real quick and then tell you what it is. <laughs> yeah. You have to be in all the platforms because every different you know, generation uses a different platform and I'm the Facebook generation, as is my mom. So I have to keep those separated out. I have one for my mom and then one for the rest of the world. So yeah, that's what I do with TikTok. <laughs> I laugh because my mom's the first one to comment on every Facebook post. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> stop it. it. It's really interesting to see how social media is growing in different capacities. And I'm going to give a shout out to Nate Sampson with Social Pro Video. He's the one doing all the video attached to things. Before videography, Nate was actually a home inspector, had his own home inspecting company. And sorry, we don't like talking about that with him anymore because he's the video guy. But it's really interesting since his, his Rolodex was full of real estate professionals. As he got into video, he's been doing video a little bit over a year now and making me look like Ryan Reynolds every time. Brian, sorry, Brian Reynolds. Don't laugh at his joke, stop it. Yeah, the wish, the wish version. I'm determined to just get burned all over so I can be like Deadpool Ryan Reynolds and be close. But Joking aside, he's done a few things in the real estate market where when somebody has a uh, open house, he'll do a little bit different videography and he kind of directs real estate agents into, hey, don't just do it like a normal, boring open house. Let's tell the story about the home. Tell a story about what possibilities could be for that future family. Post the video, shows the video, does different things. So having that like cinematic capability to show a home, is there something you've done to just kind of spice up outside of the standard here's this house for sale on this street. Let me post about it. How do you show, take that next showing or encourage your team to take that next showing to that different level? Well, I can't say that I do a whole lot of extra level things because I have strategies that I put in place for every property, depending on where it's located and what its assets are. What's the best use of that property? That sounds like extra level things. Hang on. Well, it is, but it's not like I'm going to go, I haven't done a video like you're referring to, but now, so we might have to give him a call. But it's um, Nate, it's social pro video on Instagram, TikTok. Is, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> but we've, really. we've done some extra things as far as the location or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, there's times when I'll go, go to a restaurant next to the house and make a small little video inside that or just take some snapshots of myself drinking up basil tea over an EAB or something like that. And that's, or maple lemonade, that's something. So that's not really a lot of extra, but it's something that draws attention to the area mm. and then sometimes to the house. And I actually really like that because it's, it's funny as, as we're looking at properties across, we're the type that put like straws in queso instead of just margarita, because we love queso margaritas on Friday night. So it's funny when you start highlighting the community around things, how important that actually is, especially for parents. We have several parents in that in the room. So it turns into schools and we're from 
young all the way up to high school and even potentially colleges. Is, is there something about a community or an amenity that you found like is really, really fascinating that is a quick ticket, whether it's the new pickleball court, Jason Flamen, where'd he go for pickleball? Uh, but pickleball court or a school, what is that one amenity you've seen that's been like, oh, this is something I'm going to push for because this is really interesting in this community? I think in Atlanta, everybody wants outdoor space, walking trails, bike trails, mm. things like that. So there isn't one thing because everybody is different. So every person that we talk to, they, we want to know what their lifestyle is like, what is important to them. Pickleball is a huge growing sport so a lot of the neighborhoods even the aging neighborhoods are turning their tennis courts into pickleball courts too because tennis is you know the need isn't as much as the pickleball so yeah does that answer your question yeah it just always fascinates me because as you look at real estate there are so many factors right you think the house is important you think the yard's important that's kind of what we talked about back in the day was like oh it has a great lot yeah. or has a lot of room for future growth. But nobody, I don't remember everybody really talking about the community. And at least maybe it was just my perspective as a young buyer. I didn't think about where's the drive time. And now in Atlanta, that hour and a half commute could be a game changer. True. So obviously, yeah. explain I, on that a little so bit. So I will. That's the important thing about you get to know your clients and what their lifestyle looks like. Because there might be somebody who says, I just really, really want to live in this community. Johns Creek, it looks amazing. And I work downtown. So when you ask that question, where do you work? I work downtown. And it's like, okay, I just want you to know that this is going to be your commute time if you commute on regular hours. And then they have to decide whether or not that's going to be good for them or not. Again, you know, you might think that it's a good thing to, to have a yard or a pool or something like that. But if you don't know the buyers, then you don't know what's important to them. And there's people that you know, I used to be a Navy recruiter and a lot of my new recruiters used to say, oh, education, education, we're going to pay for your college. We're going to pay for your college. But it's like, but you didn't even ask them what they want because 80% of these kids stepping out of high school really don't care about who's paying for their college. They want something more and we got to figure out what it is. And that's the same thing with real estate. In fact, that's how I kind of drive my business. It's the very same skill set. We ask a lot of questions. We get down in the weeds and we find out what they want. And then we put the pieces of the puzzle together to see what's going to fit for them. How many of the veterans here just got lost when you said recruiter? <laughs> Mil- no? Okay. It's a military joke. I'm not funny tonight, y'all. Go get a refill. <laughs> All right. So I, I, we're going to move into Q&A and no more of my jokes here in a second. The last thing I really am curious about, obviously, as a veteran, a lot of the work you're doing in the veteran space, but through real estate, using that as the vehicle to make an impact and to really create a legacy that goes beyond just that one transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about that impact and the legacy you want to leave through real estate and being a veteran? I don't know if I've ever thought about leaving a legacy in real estate. I do want to build a couple more businesses so that I can retire at some point. I don't know if I ever will because I can talk about real estate all day long or some aspect of it. But I don't know about that. I don't know about a legacy. I just want to make sure that the myths over home buying being so difficult are squashed because it is not hard. It's not easy, but it is very simple. So it's, you know, we hear people all the time that say, oh my gosh, I can't buy a house. I'm only 22 years old. But you have a 750 credit score and you've got 
$80,000 in the bank. Like, I can't even imagine that as a 22-year-old, but there are people that do that. That's easy for a lot of folks, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, that sounds pretty impressive as a whole, because I wish I'd had that education at 21, 22. Right. right? Especially as a, as a veteran, a lot of the, the guys I deployed with, Gonzo, a great example, mid-20s. Right, we went to Afghanistan, yeah. he had all this money and had no idea what to do with it, and then got into real estate when we got back. Yeah. So from the veteran side, I see that being impactful, but even as a young individual, um, so TikTok, sounds like it's gonna be in your future. Probably. <laughs> all right, so move into some Q&A stuff. I see a notebook out, and I told y'all to come up with some like really difficult questions that we're gonna grill Jackie with. Okay. You're laughing already, do you have something? Because behind behind you, he's like ready. He like readjusted. He he's got everything. All right. So I'm going to walk the room a little bit for Jackie. Mm -hmm. You want to go first? Y'all going to arm wrestle? Which is it? Oh, we got so many questions. All right. We're going to fight over it. Yes. We just got exciting tonight. No. Arm wrestle. Go. No. Stop. All right. <laughs> okay. My question you were speaking about um, purchasing a home and then um, purchasing another one using the VA loan when you move. How do you manage the uh, debt to income ratio when you're having multiple properties? How does that work? You can use your rental income or projected income with some of the lenders. And there's a lender in here. Can you? She's nodding. So yes, that's correct. I'm not a lender, so I can't speak for lenders. But you can use your rental income to qualify for that house. So if you have a house that your mortgage is $2,000 a month, but you know you can rent it out for $2,800 a month, mm -hmm. then guess what? That cancels out that debt, mm -hmm. and then you also have a little bit of extra income that will qualify you for your next home. It's actually a fascinating thing I saw. It does, it's like your income plus the rental income. And Which that is helps also, qualify for, yeah. we see the nods of the lender yeah. over there. So yeah. it kind of stacks on each other, right? Yeah. It's, just, really good it's your income. That's your income. Yep. As long as you make sure you report it to the IRS, it's your income. We won't talk about the IRS <laughs> in here. Hang on. No, that's a good question. I love that. There you go. Family, buy and hold investor. And, you know, in previous years, I've been able to purchase either where you already have a little bit of built-in equity or you know you're going to have some equity very soon. I mean, these mm -hmm. prices have been crazy. But I think, you know, I'm kind of like a lot of people right now slowing down. So what areas around Atlanta do you think where you can at least maintain your home's worth if you were to continue purchasing now? Or maybe, you know, some areas that might be recession-proof? That's a great question because Roswell's expensive. <laughs> well, I believe that Atlanta is almost recession-proof, although knock on wood, because I don't have a crystal ball and we cannot predict the future. We didn't predict the pandemic. We didn't predict a lot of things, but the governor has told us real estate brokers that the population of Atlanta is growing by the population of Denver in the next five to eight years and some of the ancillary areas. I'm a big fan of Carrollton right now. I'm a big fan of some of those areas that are a little out further. Cartersville is growing. And then some of the southern areas, McDonough has already grown a lot, but they're still building houses. So if you just look and see where the houses are being built by the builders, that gives you an idea. But I always still check what's going on in those areas because during the crash, we saw a lot of those builder lots go into foreclosure or bankruptcy or something like that. And then there were just like neighborhoods of three houses with a whole lot of vacant lots for years until somebody else came along and bought them out, which was 
a decade later. So, mm. yeah. I actually got really lucky in 2019 and bought one of those mm -hmm. and just sold it. It is awesome. Nice. So I'm hoping for another crash and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey, Dante. Um, so as a, I'm new to all of this. This is my first meeting. Everything should jack along. So <laughs> as a homeowner with a lot more equity than I thought I would ever have, how can I use that to take next step, either to something small, something big, what would you, so what I would do and what I have done and what I have, I know a lot of my investors do is they take, depending on how much equity you have and depending on what's happening in the market, you might be able to take a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, and then use that for a down payment on something else. So that's like kind of reusing your money over and over and over again, or the Burr method. Do you know what the Burr method is? So it's buy, renovate, rent, and refinance. Yeah, <laughs> I have to remember all those R's. So you can use that money to buy a house, renovate it, refinance it, and rent it out. But then you can pay yourself back for that money off of that and then start all over again, just repeat. Because it's, yeah, now it's a higher and now you can refinance it. If you buy something that needs to be renovated, so, or 100,000, which don't, there's nothing 100,000. I'm just using that as a number. 100,000. And then when you renovate it with $30,000, and then maybe you can, it's worth 200,000 now, you can refinance it for probably 75% of that and get a little bit more money out of it and use that for your next property. Yeah, I think that's actually a really fascinating thing, uh, especially with the VA renovation loan. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've done any VA renovation loans, but that's a piece of taking that money out and reusing it keep using that same dollar right yeah i think you might be in for with barbara uh, that's what i was thinking i saw her hand i'm like oh no one good question twofold number one what motivates you and number two when you think back about major milestones what drove you to more challenging decisions in your life because at the end it comes down to doing the chunk right Mm -hmm. In general, people like a certain element of comfort zone, but it is when you get out of the comfort zone that really grows this happening. So just maybe if you can share some of your you know, one or two milestones and okay. also what motivates you to move forward. Okay. That was actually a really good question. I was waiting uh, for her to like ask for numbers and statistics. What motivates me is my family. I don't want to work forever. I've got my first grandbaby this year. Well, last year, she's two now. And I want to be that person who's able to travel around. My kids live in all different places. So I want to be able to travel around and not work so much. So that's my motivation. I want to leave some wealth behind for my children because I didn't come from that world. We didn't know that. So that's my motivation as far as that goes. The milestones, They've all been unexpected. They've just come out of need or maybe boredom. Sometimes I get bored and I, when I got my broker's exam or when I took my broker's exam, I didn't say, oh my gosh, I wanna go be a broker. It was just that they were offering a class in the winter time during my slow time and it was via Zoom because it was during the pandemic. So I was able to take the class and then got my broker's license. But then that opened up a whole new world for me because then when I talked to 
one of the other people in my business and I said, you know, I got to find a really good property manager for my clients because I've got everybody that wants to invest, but nobody can find a really good property manager. And he said, Jackie, just open one. You're a broker now. <laughs> and I was like, I can't open a business like that. What are you talking about? And then a month later, I had a property management company. So that's a milestone, but it's not something I would expect. All of my milestones have been kind of unexpected. I'm, I'm opening a school, a real estate school, and that's also an unexpected thing because I teach all the time. And it's like, well, that might be a retirement plan. So I'm in Taking I Taking action, right. So that's one of the things that we talk about, you know, get educated, then take action because you're not gonna get anywhere. I have people that have been like spinning their wheels for eight years, getting all kinds of education and they're watching people pass them by. I have one client that it was so hard for her to take action, but she finally did it. She took action and then she got the fever. And when they do take action, it's like an addiction. They just keep going and going. And then next thing you know, she's like, oh my gosh, I was looking at my spreadsheet. I'm worth $3 million. And it's like, yeah, just because you bought that one little condo that I had to kick you and push you into doing. So that's what. And then you get a cut of that three million, right? Oh, no, I wish. For the shot, for the shot. <laughs> All right, so I, I love ending these. I have one more question over here, before, but this will be the last one real quick. There's always networking afterwards, right? So we're starting to get to know Jackie a little bit. We're hearing from people in the audience. We have a, a, a wide array of individuals. So the Bucket Club does kick us out around seven o'clock, eight o'clock. So I wanna make sure we have time for networking. So I'll make this a last question and then we'll move into that space. Thank you. Better sort. Absolutely, go ahead. So, I'm Joe. I'm not a real estate person. I'm a veteran, Desert Storm veteran. And I've learned a lot of things here today. Uh, I got a couple of friends that have introduced me to this group, come in, and I didn't realize a lot of the challenges that are going on. I, I've kind of been out of the military since 93, and I didn't realize a lot of the challenges, especially enlisted people coming out are going through in this job market. The question, and I will put this more as a challenge to everyone in this room, but one of the biggest things I see in listening to this is real estate agents, and I will recruit, I'll put this on a parallel. I'm in a career transition. I'm doing well. I'm going to land something soon. But what I've kind of seen is a parallel with the recruiters. They all work independently. They don't work as a team. They're not aligned. And I very much see that with real estate agents. They're all up for themselves. They don't work as a T. They're not aligned. And I'm trying to put that towards, I knew some of these things, but I've been out of touch because my last 20 years have been, I got raising three kids and I know I get to get more engaged in a group like this and give them back. But my biggest thing is, how are real estate agents working together? And I don't see any of this information being put out in the public. And I know with our media, and I'm not trying to be political because you can watch whatever channel you want to watch and all the news is designed to piss you off. You go watch whatever you watch, if it's CNN, Fox News, and the worst one's the weather channel. They're just there to terrify you and make you feel bad. And oh my God. But, I don't see anything commercials about real estate and about educating people on these things, especially for veterans. 
And I'll equate it to recently, like my son, he used to play football. That's the ultimate team sport to me. It's where 11 people have to work together. Now he plays baseball. And I'm like, dude, you're playing an individual sport within a team sport. It's all pitcher versus batter. That's all it is. But one of the biggest things, too, we talked about recently, we're watching the U.S. Open golf. I don't know if anyone watches that. But this battle about the Live Golf Tour, the PJF Golf Tour. And I was explaining to him, I said, they're all independent contractors. They're not playing a team sport. They're playing in a league for somebody else. So that's one thing I would just put out there as real estate agents. I just don't see the public educated on all these programs. I don't see anything out there in the media. It's just, I'll kind of close with that and I'll challenge you on that where, because you're talking about educating people and what you're trying to do is school. But that's the biggest thing I see with real estate agents. It's all a bunch of individuals. I don't see a team. And I see that with the way recruiting firms work. They're in a firm, but they're all in their own box. They're not working as a team. And they're not working to help people. And I would just challenge that to help veterans and people coming out to help them, you know, I mean, I learned a lot tonight. I didn't realize all these programs. So I'll close with that. I have a thought on all of that because I was a career recruiter and I am a team lead in the real estate world. But a lot of real estate agents are, ind are independent contractors and a lot of brokerages, they don't allow teams. They allow you to be an independent contractor because that's how they make their money by independent contracting. You know, real estate brokerages take a cut of the commissions that you get. So once you start building teams, then they get less money because now you have to give money to this person and give money to this person. So you don't really get that whole, people won't stay around, but that's one of the reasons. And it's a very competitive field. 85% of new agents leave in the first year of real estate because they just didn't know what they were getting themselves into or because like you said they don't have a team they don't have a mentor they don't have a leader they don't have anybody pulling them together as a team and that's one of the thing one of the reasons that i joined a brokerage that did build teams and allowed me to build a team because it's there's power in numbers you have more access to everything if you build teams and there are some other groups out there that will have like informational things for realtors, but it is still competitive. So you don't want to give all your information away when you're building a business. And then recruiting is the same way. I mean, recruiting, there are teams in recruiting, but one of the things that I did not like about the Army, and I'm not saying that I don't like the Army, I'm just saying it's that the best one. one of their big marketing campaigns was called Army of One. And I was like, why are they doing that? You know, that just doesn't make sense to me. But we had some teams. I built a lot of teams when I was in recruiting and they were all very successful, but we did it in a way to where everybody worked together for the greater good. So, but that's a good observation. It, it is. And I, I will kind of vouch for your team and everything you're doing. You, you have Naala, yourself, mm -hmm. veterans. These ladies. Ladies, are y'all veterans as Mariana. well? And Keisha. No, but they're like, yes, we do all the work and she takes all the credit. But beyond that, you also deal with Gonzo. So yeah. like you're a saint and a veteran. 
But to kind of piggyback on that, oh God, I use the military term. Uh-huh. All right, to kind of follow up on that a little bit, that's why we do stuff like this. Yep. That's what ATL Vets is, that's what events like this is. This is my big driving passion, is to give veterans access to this space where veterans normally don't think about these things, right? And I love talking to non-veterans. We are only as strong as our non-veteran supporters, right? So our community needs to grow. We need to be here more. We need to see more of this and highlighting people that do those things to bring that education. So I absolutely love what you're doing. I appreciate you being here. Let's give her a round of applause for being here tonight. She's actually really shy. So we took like three shots before we started. And she's like, I'm an introvert. I'm like, let's take the I'm an shots. introvert, but I'm not shy. <laughs> so I, I definitely appreciate Jackie being here tonight. I appreciate all of y'all being here tonight. To close out, there's a couple things. If you look at the table again, just a reminder, upcoming events, everything from real estate. Once a month, we have real estate. I have workshops once a week. Um, I also do a couple of other networking events from the veteran space. The second Tuesday of every month, we're here. Independence Day celebration will be the week of the 11th here. I'm hosting my first out of Atlanta event in Tampa on the 11th. So if anybody knows Tampa, amazing real estate market I'm trying to dive mm-hmm. into. So I'm going to Tampa with Battle Brews, but also we have Sweat with a Vet that Taylor runs, the prettiest drill sergeant I've ever seen. And she makes us all do push-ups. We're at Mercedes-Benz Stadium about once a month doing a workout at the stadium. So we have a lot of events happening that I want to get everybody engaged to, not just for veterans, it's for everybody. Like I said, we're only as amazing as our non-veteran supporters. So invite your friends, invite people that are not veterans to come out and do some workouts with us, network with us, and socialize overall. I also have a three-day business summit where we're gonna have people that are really highlighting what, honestly, there's me and one other guy that are veterans. Everybody else that's speaking to this is a non-veteran, but has support of the veteran community. So definitely check that out on the table over there. QR codes, I try to make it easy. It, one of those may or may not go to my TikTok, so I'm gonna make a scan both to see my dancing bit. No, one funny joke. No, okay, I'm gonna be quiet. Y'all network, y'all socialize. I appreciate y'all being here and y'all have a great evening. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice claim your independence and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.